Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, Episode 13. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and today's show is a market spotlight. Today we're going to look at Kansas City. We've been in Kansas City for about eight years with tremendous success. There is so much opportunity there, and you could pick up properties in a wide range of price ranges from $50,000 on the low end to $150,000, $160,000 on the high end. And that's really not even the high end. You could get two, dollars $300,000 properties there, although I don't recommend those as investment-grade properties. The numbers don't work out as well on those types of properties. But Kansas City has been growing year after year. It has a large growing population that is expected to increase to about 2.2 million by the year 2020. So that's only about six years away. Kansas City is a large city in the state of Missouri. It has a population of about 470,000 people, but it's made up of over 147 constituent neighborhoods. And Kansas City has a very diverse economy. It's neither blue collar nor white collar. It's got a mixed workforce and it expands every sector from healthcare to professionals, office workers, service providers, industrial, sales jobs, management type positions, administrative support. Uh, technology is a new big one. Kansas City has more people living there that work with computers and math than 95% of places around the US. So that's an interesting statistic. And of the large cities around America, Kansas City is one of the most car-oriented, and so 83% of the people in Kansas City drive to work in their own car every day, most often alone. Also, the overall education level of Kansas City people or citizens is substantially higher than the typical U.S. community. About 29.5% of adults in Kansas City have at least a bachelor's degree, and the average American community is only 21.4%. Also, the per capita income in Kansas City back in 2010 was over $25,000 per person, which is actually wealthy relative to Missouri, and it's considered upper middle income relative to the rest of the United States. So what this means is it equates to an annual income of about $103,000 for a family of four. But Kansas City contains every type of person. Its demographic ranges from the very wealthy to poor people as well. So it's not much different than any other metropolitan area. So we love Kansas City. We've been there for many years. We've had properties there from as little as $45,000 in B-minus neighborhoods all the way up to, like I said, $150,000 properties. Cap rates are very high, so they're attractive to investors. Population is growing. Median home prices have been going up year over year for a number of years, but not crazy high double-digit appreciation rates. And the cost of living is about 15% below the U.S. average. So it's an affordable city, which makes it very attractive not only to live, but to invest. So let's talk to one of our local market specialists there and learn a little bit more about the Kansas City market and the investment opportunities that are available to you. And we'll get to that interview here in about 30 seconds. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. 
It is my pleasure to welcome one of our local market specialists. His name is John. He's based in Kansas City, Missouri, born and raised. John has been working with us for a number of years, and he's been buying, fixing, and selling real estate since June of 2006, so he's been in this game for a long, long time. He has purchased and sold over 1,800 homes since he started back in 2006, and today he has rehabilitated and sold about 300 properties. Welcome to the show, John. Marco, thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here in Kansas City talking to you personally online. No, it's great to have you here, and we uh, we love working with you. Our investors are very happy. Kansas City is kind of a perennial market, but before we dive into Kansas City, because we're spotlighting that market here today, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, Marco, I went to school at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, go kangaroos. Um, I've gotten to the real estate market and fell in love with it. Um, We started off as a mortgage brokerage company and really had our pulse on the market when we were able to forecast when the market was going to start and especially predict when it was going to fall. So with being in the mortgage market, I knew I had to find a new job. And when I started seeing prices of homes that I was purchasing or refinancing or you know, getting for my clients at the eighty to a hundred thousand dollar price point start to sink to fifty to sixty thousand dollar. We could tell that was the recipe to start changing our business model and get inside the real estate. I've never had a real job. I'm not a rags to riches story. My dad was an operations manager at Bank of America, so I knew a little bit about banking because I had a good mentor in my father uh, to help us get started in the real estate business and to help us with our accounting and processes and, and, and setting up our business. Um, you know, we work at the father and son business. It's a family business. I employ a lot of people in the Kansas City area and um, really have grown my company uh, from a family roots perspective. Nice. That's great. Kansas City is, uh, you know, world famous for its influence on jazz and blues and barbecue, of course. Um you know, we've been in Kansas City for probably close to eight years. It's what I call a perennial market. It's it's always had investor interest. We've always had good investment opportunities there for investors. So I love Kansas City. And now I'm actually investing in Kansas City myself to, you know, continue building a portfolio there. I guess the real big question is why invest in Kansas City? Maybe kind of take us from the big picture and we can work our way down, but why should an investor look at Kansas City as a market as opposed to another market? Well, there's a lot of different um, reasons why I believe we should invest in Kansas City and why it just makes sense for anyone to invest in Kansas City besides my opinion. The first and most important reason is our economy. Kansas City economy is attracting a lot of business uh, we were the first organization to launch or first city to launch Google Fiber in our area, which knocked down a lot of companies from having huge, expensive Internet bills and telephone bills. Uh, the economy in Kansas City has continued to grow because of the low cost of wages. So, of course, it's a lot easier when the home prices are lower and the work price or the average combined household income of a family is around $60,000 for large companies to come in and have affordable work areas. So we've attracted companies such as Cerner, a medical data software company. 
We've attracted and headquartered Sprint for a long time, H&R Block, Boeing, Kansas City Southern Railroad, and as you said, we have the best barbecue and um, stockyards in town. Very good beef as well. So we're seeing a low unemployment rate. We're seeing a steady job markets, and we're seeing continuing growth inside of our economy, which is making people not only want to move here, but also um, wanting to stay and work as well. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on there. Warren Buffett's company, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, invested close to $44 billion into the freight transportation operations there, BNSF Railway. So um, Kansas City being in the center of the United States is a major logistical hub. And that's a, I think that's a big driver. Uh, other drivers are like that you mentioned, Cerner. And then, um, you know, they, they probably dumped in $4.5 billion, if I remember correctly. And they have a 298-acre campus. Um, and as an employer, they employ uh, 16,000 people. So, you know, there's a lot going on there. And I know that the population of downtown Kansas City has also quadrupled over the last 10 years. We like to see that. We like to see population growth and in-migration because these people need a place to live. And if they need a place to live, then it's good for investors like ourselves that can provide the housing for these people. So the economy is great. I mean, is there anything else you want to add in terms of uh, Kansas City's economy? Um, yes, I believe that Kansas City's economy is definitely on its upswing as well. Uh, in the housing market alone and with the job market growing, we're beginning to see um, there's becoming more renters than there are homeowners inside of our rental market. Uh, the market has been changing uh, with the jobs coming in. Of course, people are wanting to get their feet wet, learn about Kansas City, and once they you know, are ready to purchase a home, they're gonna buy a home in the area. But with the taking advantage of this foreclosure um, type of environment that we've had, uh, we've been able to see the market in Kansas City also become a great source of revenue not just for local investors like myself, but for investors abroad as well. With our low purchase price, um, the average median purchase price in Kansas City, Missouri is $155,000. So we're beginning to see um, a little bit of growth, but we're not experiencing large roller coasters and dips in housing. So uh, we're being able to pick up properties, uh, get the properties rented, keeping them affordable for investors, and it's helping grow our economy from not only the you know explosion that happened in 2008, but we're actually growing and making our economy better by putting people into houses they can afford, not just the fog and mirror type of mortgage that they used to be able to get and live into a property that's unaffordable for them, but we're seeing everyone starting to gear back from what I like to call the Humvee era. You know, we're not buying these huge gas-guzzling vehicles that are sucking down our wallets and economy, but we're buying now more economical, responsible type of investments, which has helped changing our market for both investors and um, people living inside of our economy. Prices have corrected themselves now where, you know, we're actually watching people spend more money. You can see inside of the holidays and the shopping and, and everywhere around town that consumer confidence has definitely got back into Kansas City. 
we've had clients fly in, uh, Marco from your organization. We had clients, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pendleton fly in, of course, from Australia last week when they got to take a peek at what the suburbs were in Kansas City, Missouri, what the opportunities were to purchase properties, they fell in love with the area. And it wasn't because I had the fanciest rehabilitation or I had the fanciest house on the block. It was because our area is thriving. The properties are becoming market ready and up to standards. They're no longer being distressed. And they're getting a heck of a lot of return on their investment by, you know, investing $100,000 into a property, getting $1,200 back a month in rent. That's pretty typical for our area. And as you can tell, that's going to be a great return for an investment. Yeah, those numbers are fantastic. You know, the rental market in Kansas City is about 44% of the population being renters, which is higher than the national average, which floats around 35% or so. You know, you've got a very large base of tenants to occupy investment properties. And not only that, but the rents from the numbers I've looked at over the last year have gone up about 8 to 9% alone. So that's not sustainable year over year, of course, but we've just seen a lot of growth over the last 12 to 24 months. And I know you do property management. That's why you were able to make some of the comments you just made, and we can get into that too. But um, what are you seeing from the uh, property management side in terms of tenant quality, rents, and rent increases? Well, uh, property management has definitely been a key success inside of our real estate brokerage. Um, the property management industry that we're finding is the quality of tenant now are becoming better and better and better. Um, a lot of people foreclosed on their property due to an adjustable rate mortgage. That doesn't mean that they lost their job. They're still good qualified clients with good qualified job histories. Um, a lot of them had strategic foreclosures. So when we're looking at a renter and we're saying, you know, why did you have this uh, foreclosure? What happened inside your market? Well, the price of the house just wasn't worth what I paid for it. So I wanted to restart over and move back into a property or an area that was more affordable now as a rental versus as purchasing the property as a homeowner. So property management, we're doing a full screening process and going and seeing uh, their credit report right now has not been the best scenario, but when you're looking at reserves, verification of employment, how much uh, money that they're bringing in versus their debt to income ratio, we're finding great solid families that are needing affordable housing. So we're really getting the cream of the crop because with my real estate brokerage and the property management business, I'm going to be with the investor for life. So when I'm watching a tenant rehabilitate their credit, living inside of a property and their credit keeps going up, their uh, job is still holding steady. If I have an investor that's, you know, for cash flowing, uh, has their tenant paying rent and the market has readjusted, has it said over the last couple of years, the investor can also sell their property to that client and, um, you know, flip that property or sell it. And, um, you know, both sides are happy. It makes a win-win scenario. So we're seeing the renters become better qualified. We're seeing them have the ability to pay. 
and they're having a bit of pride of ownership uh, when maintaining the landlord's property. So the quality is just becoming better. Um, the credit scores, though, are not inflictive of how good of a buyer they are or a renter they are. But um, whenever you're digging in and you look at the whole picture, you're, we're beginning to find people with money, jobs, and availability to pay their rent. And it's making for successful renters for our investors here in Kansas City. Yeah, and that's all important. So when we talk to clients, we always talk about a top-down approach. Choose your market wisely. Focus on what's driving that market. Are there jobs? Is there job growth? Do you have an increasing population, both organically as well as in migration? Kansas City has all those things. And then once you've decided on a market, regardless of what that market is, then you start breaking that market up into regions or areas or even as granular as neighborhoods. And then at that point, you can start choosing properties within those areas and neighborhoods that make sense. Now, I've been there long enough to know a lot of these regions and areas and submarkets. And you don't need to get into a lot of detail about that. But I think that's a very important factor because you can get $30,000, $40,000 properties in Kansas City. And you can also buy $300,000 properties. And neither one of those are ideal investments, I think. So maybe just kind of give us a flyover of the city and break it down into regions that you suggest are uh, good for real estate investors and areas maybe that you should try to avoid. Uh, very correct statement, Marco. Areas that we are going to purchase in, in very, very layman terms are going to be surrounded by the 435 circle. So the very middle of the 435 circle is going to be downtown Kansas City. Your thirty to uh, $40,000 houses or your ten dollars to $40,000 houses are going to be located inside of the inner city pocket. The further you work yourself north, south, east, and west outside of the city, you're going to become going into the suburb areas. So we like picking the markets on the outskirts of the inner city. Um, there's still good properties in the inner city you could find. They're going to be in the fifty dollars to $100,000 range, that strike point that you're looking for. It's going to breed a, a better client. But when you're finding areas such as Independence with the 133 population, uh, it's a $133,000 population, you're seeing people that are wanting to move into neighborhoods where they're going to grow their families. So we're trying to predict, and we would buy properties in areas that suburbs are starting to grow, and as you said, move into those areas. The same is typical with most economies. Uh, in most metropolitan areas, they're going to start at the epicenter and then move their way out year by year, inch by inch, mile by mile. So the higher the price property is generally when it starts moving outside of that inner circle of the city. And we're going to target areas in suburban properties, which are very affordable. Um, still, we can get outside of um, you know the urban area and see properties for fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars, and uh, we'll appraise, get a home loan, rent anywhere from seven hundred to nine hundred dollars per month. Could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less, but those are going to be your typical averages with those numbers. Or you can move into more of a median price property, you know, eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars 
uh, renting from twelve hundred dollars uh, all the ways up to fourteen hundred dollars a month. Um, those type of properties are going to be the properties that starter families with good jobs and incomes will be locating and, and, and basically hunting nonstop for until they find a rental property that's going to hit those standards. So it's depending upon what type of person we have. Um, some people, um, let's say dinks, dual income, no kids. They want to live downtown still. They make good tenants. They make good renters. We're going to put them into good little projects. They're going to be near the country club plaza, right downtown. It's going to be in a nice, desirable area for a young couple that is going to rent a property. We'll find properties for someone who just had their first, second uh, child needing to expand. And we're going to try to locate and put them into a property that they can grow and put their kids into a nice school district and um, that's accredited, and they're going to grow and keep in your investment for three to five years. So that's our plan is that we want to keep those people in those properties for at least five years. Uh, three is where we're hitting an average, but our goal over the next you know, five years is going to keep our tenant longevity or our tenant history to stay for five years in those areas. Uh, it, it breeds for a great investment. And it takes care of um, the investment needs when you're looking at investment properties from abroad. Then rental properties, Marco, in your area, how much are they going for generally? Probably the range is eighty to one hundred twenty thousand. Eighty to one hundred twenty thousand. So with an eighty and one hundred twenty thousand dollars, it sure makes a lot more sense to bring your money to Kansas City to invest than it would be to spend what in California. In California, for a three-bedroom, two-bath home, now, of course, it depends on what city. California is a state. Uh, where I live, that's probably a six to $900,000 house or more. Um, but, you know, if you go into the lower-priced areas in California, further inland, not necessarily the Inland Empire, you know, in Riverside, but you're probably still looking at $300,000, $400,000, for a three-bedroom home. And I, I know where you're going with this, because if you look at comparable three and four bedroom homes in Kansas City that are around the 2,000 square foot size, you're talking about what, $140,000, $160,000? Correct. It's a big difference. And here's another thing, you know, the numbers you threw out before show a rent to value ratio of about 1.2%, which is very, very attractive when you give it that litmus test you know, it still will produce a very good cash on cash return. The cash flow will be very attractive. It really comes down to this. There's something for everybody in Kansas City, because if you are an investor looking for the higher rates of return, the higher cap rates, you might be looking at the 50 to 70 or 50 to $80,000 price range. They're going to be in probably like a B class neighborhood, and you're going to get really good rates of return. If you're looking for something in a little more premium type area, you're probably going to be in the 80 to maybe as high as the $150,000 price range. You're going to be in a very solid, stable area, better schools, uh, more family oriented, and you're going to have maybe higher cash flow in dollar terms, but your cap rates and your cash on cash returns are going to be a little bit lower. However, compared to many other options, you're still seeing very high rates of return. Is that a fair assessment across the board? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're seeing a very good rate of return. 
for the amount of dollars that you're purchasing the property for. Probably one of the best in the in the whole nation. So let's kind of look at this from a new investor's perspective, someone who might call themselves a newbie or they just bought one property before. If they're coming into the Kansas City market, what would you recommend to someone that is just getting started in the Kansas City market? What areas should they look at? And I know this is kind of driven by their criteria and their goals, but in general terms. Well, the first thing I would suggest maybe would be for them to hop on a plane, Marco, and come visit Kansas City. I think that's always uh, your best approach in purchasing something that you like and uh, you're going to invest your money into. The second thing I would invest uh, some time into uh, would stay into the Independence, Liberty, uh, Sugar Creek, uh, Blue Springs, those type of markets which are just east of Kansas City, Missouri, still 15 miles away or a 30-minute commute from their job. But we would like to stay in that region that's uh, inside that 435 circle. People in our area, a rush hour is truly an hour. They don't want to drive too far to work. And I would stay in the regions that we're not moving into rural communities. So uh, I could list off a numerous uh, cities that you might not know of. But looking at our properties, you want to stay. I, my favorite markets are Blue Springs, Missouri. Uh, it has a strong school system, uh, one of the best football teams in the nation. Oak Grove, Lee Summit, Missouri, um, Independence, as we mentioned before. And we're trying to keep you guys out of Kansas. There's too high of taxes and it keeps you out. So when you're thinking of Kansas City, Missouri, guys uh, and girls, please do not think of Kansas City, Kansas. We want to stick on the Missouri side, and I think that's a strong point to hit when you're looking at investment properties in our area. Uh, yes, there could be some good properties in uh, Kansas, but the laws, the evictions, there's just a whole different gamut of reasons why we want to stick on the east, north, and south side of Kansas City from the very heart of downtown. Yeah, that's good advice. Now, we've been talking about great tenants and a good tenant pool to draw from, but every once in a while you do get uh, a tenant that you have to evict. Something happens, regardless of what that is, but you have to go through an eviction. And that's kind of a worst case scenario, but tell us about the eviction process in Missouri, which I happen to love, and it's probably second best to a state like uh, Alabama. But tell us about the for the eviction process and how how long that takes. The eviction process inside our organization um, would go as such: on the thirty first day of them becoming late on the property, or if there's thirty one days in a month, thirty two days. But the first day they become you know one month late on their property, we file for eviction with a local attorney. Within thirty days, the attorney will then um, file and get a default judgment onto the property or win the, pro win the case inside of a courtroom. Once that happens, we have the ability to get a writ of possession, and within 15 days, we can go out with the sheriff and put their stuff on the street and physically evict them outside the property. So um, how fast we stay on top of it, uh, and how good we are with the property management services 
It's, it's frequent with any company. Anyone can file the paperwork. On the 31st day, you issue your pay or quit letter. You hire the attorney. Attorneys in our um, neighborhood, the average range is about $350, and they'll serve that person up to 20 times. So how you get the teeth in the eviction process, if you want to get a judgment, you have to personally serve them. You can issue them a court and a letter, and you can get awarded the writ of possession, but you won't get awarded judgments. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So you want to make sure that you personally serve the person to be able to garnish their wages and um, effectively collect on your judgment. The only opportunity cost which can expend your time a little bit is, of course, the personal service. But being a landlords that we are, uh, they're already living inside the property. It's pretty safe to say uh, we know where they live when they're going to get sued and we know where they work to find them. So we'll get them served. We generally have a court date within 30 days. We'll get um, a judgment against them. We'll work with the a sheriff to use a writ of possession and kick them out within uh, 15 days. Total process takes anywhere from 45 to 50 days maximum. During that course of time, Marco, um, we're going to be negotiating with them to get out of the property. Um, you know, a lot of people doesn't, don't think that you're real or that you're going to evict them just because, you know, you've sent them a nasty pay or quit letter when they're 15 to 20 days late. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll approach the tenant, and once they've been served the paperwork showing that we're going to go to court, uh, we'll, we'll say, we'll give you some time to move out in the next week or two, and we'll make sure that we don't um, evict you just as long as you make sure your bills are paid in full. But we want you out of the property. We can't deal with the tenant being late anymore. And it's great that you can do that in Missouri because a lot of times, you know, if you're in another state, they're going to say, all communications are stopped between the property management company and the landlord. In Missouri, it's open-ended. The courtrooms are busy. They do not want to have a court date so that you're, they are willing to negotiate with you to you know, get them out of the property without hitting a courtroom. So the process can go even faster once you file for um, your, your eviction. Great. So back to the uh, theme of taking a top-down approach. We've identified Kansas City as a great market. We start looking at certain sub-markets and areas within Kansas City. Now we start looking at properties. Now I've seen dozens and dozens of your properties and I'm always impressed with the renovation work. So let's talk about the rehab that goes into producing an investment grade property that we sell to our investor clients. And, you know, these are turnkey properties. They're in like new condition. They're not that way when they start necessarily. But tell us about what goes into renovating these properties and describe that for us. Yes, going into renovating the property, depending if it was built in 2000 or depending if it was built in 1920, it's the same process and procedure. We're going to go in and find all the nooks and crannies uh, get inside of the attic and insulation and try to make that property as fine-tuned uh, as possible. That means we're going to, you know, put in new carpet. We're going to, you know, paint the interior and exterior of the property. Uh, we found it's a heck of a lot cheaper uh, trying to mess around with old appliances to just get uh, new appliances from Home Depot, uh, new hot water tank, uh, HVAC system. 
uh, we'll buy all of those items and just put those into the property. So unfortunately, I can't get away with the $3,000 rehabilitation any longer because the real which way to attract and keep a tenant is make sure all of their plumbing, electrical, uh, appliances, uh, heating and cooling are all brand new and work. Uh, so we use that type of philosophy going in. Uh, we've, we've learned that through processes and errors through over the years that it's easier just to buy new and um, inspect ourselves as well. We'll go through, do a, a preliminary inspection on the property. Uh, Marco, you, you, you guys do a great job on educating your clients, whether they purchased one property or 10 properties. Uh, we look forward to the inspection that's going to happen uh, whenever your property owner or new investor is going to order an inspection on our properties because that's going to give us the line, the sand, and definitively uh, define what has been put into the property and secondly what is wrong with the property we're not perfect we might miss an electrical switch a fan might be put on um, that's not working correctly or a toilet might flush incorrectly so you educating them to do an inspection we're preparing for it we're looking forward to it and it gives us that clear line in the sand that what needs to be done and finished to the property so going into the property uh, you've dealt with me on scope of works before, Marco. They are very detailed. They're down to the cover plates, uh, how much insulation is going to be blown into the property. Uh, it gives a detailed description of what's going to be repaired by square foot, room by room, and it's all-inclusive to make sure that we do not miss a beat when rehabilitating the property. And, of course, we're just not going to rely on uh, Marco says the property looks good. Look at the pictures. Uh, John, the seller, says the property looks great. We're just going to hire a licensed third-party inspector to come in and, and basically check our work. So uh, the list is extensive, and uh, the process is pretty uh, smooth. Uh, it's a flow chart that's going to start the same way and finish the same way every time. And it's going to be checked out by a third party and made sure um, that your inspection uh, is clear and um, it is acceptable for your investor. Yeah, the inspection piece you mentioned is a big, big deal because we insist that our clients always order a third-party inspection as part of their due diligence. It's actually part of the purchase process. And more often than not, they come back fairly clean. I mean, I'll say fairly clean because there's no red flags or major issues or uh, things that you know should be done. But Every inspector is going to put in, you know, their own small list or laundry list of minor items, you know, scratches and dents and things that I call could be done stuff. That's always going to be in an inspection report. It's never going to be blank. But if there ever is an issue or something was missed or there's an oversight or something wasn't reattached or uh, there's a minor problem with the property, you guys have always been great to jump back in there right away, get it fixed and repaired. And investors love that. They like to know that they can rely on things being corrected or cured if they come up during their purchase. And so I think that's a big, big deal. And I know there are other companies out there, other rehabbers that I've worked with in years past that were very reluctant to jump on that. They didn't like the inspection process when it came back. It was almost like uh, it was an inconvenience because it was another checklist of things that needed to be done and money to be spent. So... We really appreciate that you jump on those things and take care of them before the tenant moves in. 
Yeah, I, I, I think it's a process that you have implemented that's uh, great for success. And for us also being their property manager, I just don't want to move one problem from my desk and shove it over to somebody else's desk. So well, there's no benefit in it for me to leave a stool or, you know, shortcut a few hundred dollars and, you know, blowing in insulation or putting in a right A coil or just any numerous item that the inspector is going to miss because I'm just moving one problem from one side of my desk to the office to somebody else's side of the desk. And guess what? I'm still going to have to deal with that problem if it's now, in the future, um, you know, or later down the road. Yeah. So making sure that property uh, is handed off to a property manager or leasing agent is, is, is critical because now we have the property inspected. Uh, we move in. And Marco, here's something else that always happens too. Uh, the inspector seems to miss items even on the inspection sometimes. You know, once you moved into a property, uh, something still might not work correctly. So we'll actually do a property walkthrough inspection when we have the tenant move into the property. Let's say the pull chain actually falls out of the fan. We go into the uh, property three days before they move in. We do the walkthrough. Uh, we catch everything that the tenant's going to see in there that might be uh, wrong to them. Uh, minor items, a lot of things that, you know, um, let's say an inspector misses, or it's not even his job to catch. The tenant brings in. Uh, an electric stove versus a gas stove. Are we going to kick out the person or ask the new investor to buy a new 220 outlet so they can plug in their electric stove or put in a gas line? No, of course not. We're going to make sure we have to accommodate the tenant and the owner so that way the people's appliances, the tenant's appliances work well. It makes happy tenants make happy investors and nothing does better to watch our monthly reports get better and see our accounts receivables go out to the owners because we're, we're not a nonprofit organization. The more money that's going out for our owners means the more monies that our property management company is making. So watching that transition happen and watching it get smoother and smoother and perfect better and better over the years is, is just been a great ride to watch, Marco. Yeah, and back to a comment you made about getting on a plane and going out and coming out to see you guys. I love that idea. In fact, we recommend our clients get on a plane or take get in a car and drive and meet our team on the ground and meet with the property manager, meet with our rehabbing crew, go out and kick the dirt, see some of the properties. Because you can describe this on a podcast or on the radio or anywhere else as much as you want, but when you're actually standing in that property and looking at everything that was replaced and repaired and renovated, and it's got that new home look, feel, and smell, it's just a completely different experience. Plus, you can drive around the neighborhoods to get a feel for how other people take care of their properties, that pride of ownership, the schools and employers that are nearby. Every client that we've had that has flown out to Kansas City has come back impressed and often they go out with the intention of investing in one property or potentially investing in one property, but they end up picking up two or three properties. And this just happened with those Australians last week. They looked at one property, you showed them several, but they ended up choosing to pick up two of them because they were similar and extensively renovated. 
Absolutely. I, I couldn't suggest and I couldn't applaud you more for making that decision to invite people. If, if, if someone's not wanting you to come see the market, there's probably a reason why. And if once people dig in and say, it's, it's too good to be true, a $100,000 house running for $1,200, come on out and see it. Watch it in action. Uh, you know, meet the team. You can, you know, uh, visit, hopefully have some barbecue. We can have a steak. Look at your investment properties. Look at a property statement. Watch how the property uh, looks, feels, and the area. Um, seeing those things are more valuable than a picture, profit and loss statement, anything else in the possible world, um, because you're going to actually get to touch, feel, and see what you're going to buy. So um, looking at the Kansas City market, uh, it's becoming the best market in the area just because the prices are staying down low and the quality of homes is almost shocking and awful. So when you get able to see the property and walk through it, look at the repairs and know maybe you don't need to come back after your third or fourth acquisition and you can start growing a real estate portfolio because you'll know the team that you're working with. You have Marco who's working with you, keeping you educated, keeping his pulse on the market. You'll have us being local, working, attentively attaching you statements and sending back your funds. And of course, Marco's going to help sending you more investment properties that we have to offer and just work as one big team. And everybody's team in this is to help everybody make more money. So uh, Kansas City has definitely been a pinpoint market for a lot of people's radar. It's not a secret anymore. Kansas City is a great place to invest. Uh, Google's found out it's a great workplace and economy for people. Warren Buffett's found it to be a good place to be investing his money into property. Population growth, as you've explained in the area, uh, is growing and moving up substantially. With the number of renters hitting the market and the prices staying where they're at, it's just a recipe for a storm that's creating a good opportunity. And um, Marco, we have and enjoy uh, working with you and your clients. Uh, we've had fun when they've came out. I've had fun coming out to meet you as well. Um, I really believe Kansas City's economy and market will stay this way for the next three to seven years. And hopefully at the end of the third and seventh year, we'll all be hitting the cash out button and the properties have gone up in value. Or we have such great success in the properties, you can sit back, take your cash flow, decide this is something that's going to make my retirement. And, and, and take that passive income, keep it, you're buying the property right. We all believe the storm's about over. Uh, and if it does happen again, you bought at the right time. So timing is very critical. In Kansas City, we're seeing that the time in our market is, 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 is here, it's now. And we're watching it on a daily basis as we're buying actively daily inside the real estate market. We're renting inside of the real estate market. We're dealing with investors flying in on a weekly uh, investment uh, opportunities, taking them on property tours, and it's just been a fun ride with the Kansas City real estate market. And I hope I'm here for um, a long time. I've been here my whole life, and I don't plan on moving. Uh, growing my family, we're uh, looking forward to staying here our whole entire life, and we'll go visit everywhere we want to go live or go see. 
Yeah, it's like my saying, live where you want, invest where it makes sense. I think that's the best saying. Yeah, and I'm going to add two quick things to what you just said. First of all, there are a lot of investors that can't get on a plane or in a car and drive and take the time to come out and see. Um, you know, you and the team and the properties that we have out there. Um, in fact, I think statistically, maybe only 5% or 1 in 20 of our clients will actually do that, which sounds like a very, very small number. But because we have systems in place and a very clearly defined purchase process to help them navigate and do their due diligence, they can literally be armchair investors and get the same thing accomplished as coming out there. It's just a different experience coming out there. And that's the nice thing about turnkey investing with turnkey properties is they're geared towards people who have limited time and limited resources to do it on their own, but they do want to invest and build a portfolio. So they've got their job, their family, you know, sports on the weekend and everything else they do. They just can't get on a plane and come out there. That's fine. We post all the properties up on our website with a fair amount of detail. And then investors can look at those properties and the ones that interest them, we can send them a ton of information, scopes of work, neighborhood demographics and profiles, and the list goes on. So I don't want listeners to feel that they have to go out to a particular market. We love it when they do, but they don't have to do that. And then the second comment I was going to say is you've got a perfect storm going on in Kansas City. And this is actually happening in, in multiple cities right now, but Kansas City is especially attractive because it's a linear market. It's not a cyclical market. It doesn't gyrate and go up and down like a roller coaster in terms of property values. When we went through 2007 to 2009 and we've seen the housing market come down, when I say housing market, I'm referring to housing markets around the country. When we've seen property values come sliding down considerably in many other markets, places like Kansas City didn't actually get affected all that much. There was a decline in property values, but when you measure that and compare it to other markets, it's been relatively flat. And so this is why I like that market as a long-term buy and hold market. Sure, if property values go up and you have lots of equity, you don't have to sell your properties and move to another market. You can stay there, pull out some equity through a refinance and invest in more property in other markets. And we can help you do that through, you know, whether it's a refinance or a 1031 tax deferred exchange. So there's a lot of things going on in Kansas City that I really, really like. Any other comments you want to make about Kansas City, the economy, the rental market, investment opportunities, or anything I didn't ask you? No, I, I think that you, you hit one point that um, you can invest in Kansas City from abroad. I think Narada has put the correct safety nets, uh, inspection periods, inspection, and, uh, you know, third-party inspectors, appraisers, um, on-ground uh, local market specialists like myself that you have worked with for years. You can purchase properties from Kansas City from abroad and just use the correct tools that Marco and his team has given you. And I think that you'll have great success in our market. And um, take a peek at some of your investments on your website. Other than that, Marco, I think you've covered every base. And, and, and you know, of course, we might have missed some in Kansas City's economy or Kansas City's market. But our real goal today is to help educate people um, and help make them understand about um, our area and why our area is good. The main point, you know, what we're seeing is the purchase price is relatively low until the rest of the nation. The returns are high. Pretty simple math equation. And I think you can help guide them through that for 
their years and help them through their acquisitions. Yeah, definitely. And investors can contact our office anytime for a consultation, a free strategy session. We have investment counselors to help them. So that's not a problem. And I guess that really kind of brings us to, uh, you know, to the end or full circle, if you will. If, you know, any of our listeners want to find out more about the investment opportunities in Kansas City, we post them up all on our on our website, but they can contact us for more information about what you have available. Even if they're not up on our website, we can let them know what might be coming up. So, yeah, we're pretty open about that information. Well, John, is there anything else you want to add? I uh, think we've pretty much wrapped up this, uh, you know, this episode on Kansas City as a spotlight. Absolutely. Um, I think we're all good. I have a great rest of the week, Marco. And thank you for having me on the call. I appreciate your time, John. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode on Kansas City. We thought it was a good market to start with in terms of doing market spotlight. And we love the opportunity there. So if you'd like more information, contact one of our investment counselors through our website, noradarealestate.com. You can check the show notes for that link and the phone number. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast and you're listening for the first time, we encourage you to subscribe. We will put out content every week for you that will hopefully enlighten and educate you. And if you can, we, of course, appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. That does help us out. We thank you for listening. Love having you here. We will see you on the next episode. Continued success. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.